Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for your precious presence, oh God. Thank you for this opportunity to just bask in the glory of your goodness. You've been good to us, Father. You've been mighty good to us. Have your way this morning, Lord. Let the word of God come alive. Not just in our hearing, but on the inside of us. Change us, transform us. Cause us to be exactly who you desire for us to be. We yield to the pressure of your hand this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Praise God, you may be seated. Thank you guys, great job. Absolutely awesome. Greetings in the name of Jesus. Um, Oh, just blessed and honored to be with you this morning. We had a great time this entire weekend. Um, we started on Friday night. For those of you that are just walking in today, you've missed out. We had an amazing session on Friday. Uh, we had a, a session Saturday morning. That was pretty amazing as well. And last night, we've been continuing on a conversation that we will hopefully bring to some conclusion this morning. And I had an awesome time with the Sunday school group. Amen. With some question and answers. And it was, it was a beautiful time for me. I hope it was a blessing to you as well. I just want to thank Pastor Finney for the invitation. For the entire leadership of this, of this church. For the work that you all are doing. And uh, the wonderful people that have been hosting me. Lunch here, dinner there. It's been wonderful. Thank you all so much for making me feel at home. I thank God for you as a ministry, for your place on this street, in this city, and in this general region. I know God is going to expand you, and God is going to cause some amazing things to happen through you. My job this morning is to just talk to you for a little bit concerning part of that journey of you fulfilling your, the divine assignment that God has for you as a congregation. We're going to begin where we started this week and it's back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. I know Sunday we typically want to be very formal. We're all dressed in our suit and tie, but it's not going to be a formal conversation. We're going to teach us as we did before. So there might be some requirement for a little bit of interaction. I don't have much time. I have to be seated 
in the next few minutes, but we want to make the most of the time that we do have. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Mm. Yes. So right there we begin to see that the intent of God was for this amazing creation created in his image and his likeness. The first gift God gave to you and I was the image and the likeness of God. We didn't work for it. We didn't fast for it. We didn't tithe for it. It was just given on day one. And it's one of the most precious things we possess. This is the gift that gives value to all of humanity, including the unsaved. That's why I think it was James who says, with your tongue you bless God, and with your same tongue you curse man who is made in the image of God. All of mankind is precious before the Lord. That's why Jesus says, bless and don't curse. Amen. And when you look at God, God never cursed mankind after the fall. He never cursed Adam. He said, curse be the ground for your sake. The curse did not hit the man, it hit the ground. It hit his work. And when Cain killed Abel, the Lord said, you are cursed from the ground that has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood. They never cursed, the Lord never cursed mankind. He laid a curse on the enemy. Amen. So that's why for the children of Israel, the Lord said through the mouth of, of Balaam the prophet, how can, you, how can I curse that which God has blessed? Amen. So thank God that he gave us his image and his likeness. But here's what he says. The first calling he gave on us was the call to dominion. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over everything that creeps upon the surface of the earth. Chapter, uh, verse 27, Pastor Fini. What does verse 27 say? Amen. So God went to work and he created. And then the first act post-creation is something you and I call the blessing. And those that were not there this weekend, uh, I'll recap on what we talked about. The, co the concept of blessing is God put his divine ability in this new creation to execute and to accomplish the instruction that God gave. Amen. The Lord will never require for you to do something he does not equip you to do. If he asks you to do it, he gives in that instruction the capability to, get, to do it. Get up, pick up your bed and walk was an instruction. Inside that instruction was the ability for a cripple to stand up for the first time in his life. So God blessed them. How did he bless us? He says what? In the blessing he says, be fruitful and multiply. And what we talked about was fruitfulness this weekend and I, it bears repeating because it's a powerful concept. Being fruitful doesn't mean have a bunch of kids. It means that, yeah, you know, reproduce numerically. But to be fruitful is also to understand that out of our life, something must be produced that can sustain someone else. That's why he says what? I would that you bear much fruit and that your fruit remains. Those words are in the red. That's Jesus saying. I would that you bear much fruit. Meaning what? I would that you bear out of your life, produce something that blesses so many individuals around you. Because that's what happens. A fruit does not bear, a tree does not bear fruit in order to eat that fruit itself. 
it gives the fruit as a gift. Amen. And in that gift is the seed that contains the information about the tree. And that seed is what enables that tree to continue to exist over and over again. That's what, that's how legacy is created. What we call legacy is your reputation that what people talk about you after you are dead. It's all as a result of the fruit you bear. But he didn't just say be fruitful. He also said be fruitful and and that's the question I want to broach this morning. What does it mean to multiply? What do we think? What is he saying? Exponentially grow. That's powerful. But what does that mean? What does it mean to grow exponentially as you said? What's that? To replicate? So that's in numbers, right? That's wonderful. And in, in, in replication, we, you know, when I'm looking at, I see Jesus, you know, um, you know, reproducing himself in 12. That becomes 70. That become 120. That become 3,000. That add on to 5,000. That infiltrate the world. That's why he says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. Okay, replication. Meaning reproduce yourself, your same qualities. I see the same thing in Elijah and Elisha. We can brace that for another day. But more than just replicating yourself, what does it also mean to grow or to be fruitful and to multiply? We heard exponential growth. Let's break it down a little bit more. What does it mean to multiply? What does it mean to grow? To flourish? I like that. What else could it mean? Come on, why are you asking us questions? You're supposed to be preaching. This is preaching. This is the new type. Amen. This is the Felix type. What does it mean to grow? Yes, sir? To be blessing for many, meaning out of the outcropping of your expansion, many are blessed. What else does it mean? To be mature. Okay, now we're getting warmer. What does it mean to be mature? What's that? To know the right thing to do, no, more than just to know it, hopefully to know it and to, to do it. Okay, that sounds good. Maturity. And, 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 and it's okay, fine. Here's, here's the thing. The interesting, the, the, the Hebrew word used for multiply is the Hebrew word rabah. It is spelled R-A-B-A-H, but it's rabah or R-A-W-B-A-W is how you pronounce it. And that word is interesting because it just does not mean to multiply numerically. Amen. That word, amongst other things, has got to do with, it has got to do with expansion of capacity. Rabah is what Christ said about faith. Let me give you the example of faith. The Lord Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 11 taught us the concept of faith. That if you have what? Faith the size of, like what? If your faith, not the size of, but if your faith like the masters, what does that mean? Let's talk about that scripture. If your faith like the master seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and it must obey you. What was Jesus saying? What is faith like the master seed? What does that mean? Say it. No, no matter how small it is, you can do Now notice what he said. If he says you have faith like the master seed, Meaning, if you act as the mustard seed behaves, how does the mustard seed behave? 
it begins as a tiny little seed, the smallest amongst the herbs, but it grows to what? So he's talking about its growth potential. He's not talking about its size. He's talking about what it becomes. So when the Lord has instructed us to grow or to be fruitful, in it means that whatever capacity you hold today, I would hope you hold a greater capacity tomorrow. I would hope you expand even beyond that next year. And I would hope that you expand even beyond that the following year. He's talking here about the increase in capacity. God, please help me. Have you been growing lately? Or are you still the same dimension vessel that can only contain so much? Isaiah 54, which proceeds, Isaiah 53 says what? Stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. What does that mean? Expand your territory. Grow beyond your previous boundary. It's talking about potential. And the dilemma in the church is many people remain the same. They are the same vessel today that they'll be 20 years from now. Can only contain the same level of glory. Can only contain the same level of influence. They've always got the same foot size and footprint all their life. But what was the Lord commanding mankind to do? Expand. Grow. That's why mankind was not born as a full grown man. You had to come in as a baby. And from a baby you had to become what is called, you know, you begin as a, as a tiny little one and you become a technon or a young person. A, a youth, and from there you become what is called a chaos in the Greek, which is what a, a young man that, or a man or a son that is coming to full maturity. And with each stage of your growth, there is a greater trust given you to handle more, to do more. For some of you, your your firstborn child at two years old, you'll never give them the keys to your car and say, "Get out there and be somebody." Why? Because you are not yet old enough, you're not yet grown enough. Your capacity has not stretched forth enough to contain the responsibility of driving daddy's car. What does that mean? Church, we have got to grow. Now, the, the, the whole concept of growth is, is, is troubling to, to, to the church because sometimes we want to remain the same. You can never grow and remain the same. Are we okay? <laughs> wake you up? That was the whole idea. I saw someone going like If you are a speaker and a preacher and you've got this level of delivery and you stay at this level of delivery all your preaching life, what is wrong with you? Grow. What does it mean? Work on your craft until you become better. Nothing grows without some input for crying out loud. Well, this is the way I always speak, and that's your problem. So you've maxed up your capacity right now. That's why nothing else. Grow. Expand your ability. For you that teach with the, the kids or whatever, innovate the different ways to teach. Find out ways that you can get into the, into the mind of the kids to cause them to be not just students of the Bible, but to be excited about that. There's a growth process that is attached to, to, to everything. In the book of Luke chapter 2 around verse 52, here is what it says about Jesus. It says, and the child grew. In what? In wisdom. That means what? Wisdom must grow. You must become wiser with each passing year. So the child grew what? In wisdom and 
stature. Here's what is, is interesting. I thought I wrote it down somewhere. I hope I did. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I was taking this notes as the Lord was speaking to me this morning. Okay. The term wisdom in the New Testament is Sophia. Okay. It's not just knowledge. It is knowledge accurately applied. So the child grew in his capacity to accurately apply knowledge. Are we okay? In the kingdom of God, it doesn't work to say, I tried and failed, so it's, I tried. Oh, you tried? Do it again. I tried, it didn't work. You know, I tried to tell them, they didn't say anything. You know, the kids won't show up. For some of you, well, you know, the, the, the youth just doesn't show up for stuff. Find out how to make them show up. Do you know why teams fire the coach if the team is underperforming? Because this is your job to get into the psyche of your players, to cause them to show up on game day. That's why they don't fire the players, they fire the coach. So my whole idea is this. Find out how to, for any of you that are running young, young people or anything, something causes them to be attached to a movement. Something makes them excited about showing up to church. If you haven't figured it out, get on your knees if you have to. Read a book or two if you have to. But for goodness sake, don't ever use they're not showing up as some kind of an excuse. What does that mean, they're not showing up? It's your job to cause them to show up. That means what? You have got to grow in your ability to influence. You've got to grow in your ability to persuade. You've got to grow in your ability to cause people to be excited to over a mission or vision. If you are not growing, and if you, if you stagnated, so are those that are under you. So for crying out loud, the potential is to be fruitful and to rabah. To rabah means to increase in scope. It means that the starting point God finds you in the beginning is not where he wants to find you in the end. In the beginning, you can be like Peter. You don't know how to put two thoughts together. You are completely unstable. But in the end, he wants a disciple that is called the rock that can stand and preach unafraid to die. What happened? He grew. That's why you never judge a man based on where he is. You always judge a man based on where he's going. You don't judge him based on who he is. You judge him based on who he will become. When the Lord called those disciples, there were nobodies. They were unlearned. But he didn't look at them and say, nobody, they're unlearned, I can't use them. No, he looked and he said, I know I can make something out of this. The reason why he could not call any of the Pharisees into the ministry is because they thought they had maxed up their capacity. They felt like they could not be taught anything because they already knew everything. So because they were close to the path of learning and they were absented themselves from what you might call the learning curve, Jesus said, I cannot use you and your PhD. You think you know. They were confronting Jesus and saying, we have the law of Moses. What are you talking about? And he says, before Moses was, I am. We have Abraham as our father. What can you, little beginning, tell us? Before Abraham was, I am. Well, we know the Torah. We know the books of the law. He says, you search the scriptures in search of some truth, but I'm telling you, I am that living word. Because the Torah speaks about me. Why could he not use them? Because they're already on the out. That's why he called them old wineskins. They thought they knew everything. They were not open to any level of innovation. They were not looking at any level of change or any level of a, a different way of doing things. They were so set in their ways. Here to go to malleable hearts. 
hearts that can be molded, hearts that can be taught that you haven't reached your capacity. I will help you get there if you are teachable. But if you look at me like you know everything, I cannot use you and your PhD. What am I saying, IPA? I'm saying be fruitful and multiply. What am I asking you to do when I say multiply? I'm asking you to increase your capacity. Not just as an individual, but as a congregation and as a church. That means some things must change to make room. Well, this is the way we always did it since we planted here in the 60s. This is the 2018s. Innovating change. Let me tell you the difference. You see, the, 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 the path of growth for David was this. First of all, he looked after his father's sheep. And he did that well. But he did not remain a shepherd. Because after that, he looked after 400 broke men. Broke in despair, discontented. What was he doing? Expanding his capacity to lead. First of all, he's leading followers that just sheep just follow. They, they don't question. Goats question. Sheep, uh, uh, you're going. If, a one, if the lead sheep goes over the cliff, the whole flock goes over. I know what I'm talking about. I looked after sheep for my grandmother. A bunch of followers. Brain dead. That's why I say when the Lord calls us the sheep of his pastor, pasture, it was not exactly a compliment. Amen. <laughs> so what does he do? The Lord brings him up from looking after sheep and says, now I'm going to bring you to lead after disgruntled people. They are broke. They are in despair. They are discontented. I don't know what to do with them, Lord. Son, inside them is a mighty army of what the Bible calls mighty men. Inside them are champions that will eclipse and do better than you on the battlefield. But you have to bring it out. You have to teach them. You have to model that before them. Don't judge them based on where they are. Judge them on what they could be and where they are going. So what does David do? He demands and says, you all operated in this level all your life. If you want to associate with me, you're going to have to shift gears and operate at another. Well, you know, we always did it this way. Yeah, that's why you're broken, despair, and discontented. And that's exactly why we're not going to do it that way anymore. Why? We're going to grow. So he brings out mighty men out of a bunch of broke guys. Because why? Because the leader's perspective is powerful. If I could teach you about the leader's eye. The leader does not see a person based on where they are. He sees them based on where they can be. That's why he can call Simon the reed a rock. And upon that rock build a church. It's what you see. What you pull out of that growth. Then from looking after 400 guys. The, the Lord raises up David once again to become the king of Judah. One tribe. Benjamin also joined them, so it was kind of two and a half tribes. And for six, so he did that up for about six years. And then at age 40, finally, the Lord says, you know what, son? Now it's time for you to get the whole kingdom. There was a growth progression. He didn't start by making, he anointed him to be king over Israel, but he took years to what? To expand his capacity. He was responding to the instruction, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. Seven minutes. You want to be able to do this, Pastor? I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. I'm an African. I don't preach by the clock. I preach by the calendar. Amen. <laughs> be fruitful and multiply. 
You see this in the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, one promised son. Yes, he had other sons with Keturah. Yes, he had Ishmael. But the promised son in the line that was with Sarah was one son. And then he, well, he got multiplied in the, in, in the area of his next son was Isaac. How many did Isaac have? He had two. Jacob and Esau. How many did Jacob have? What happened? Growth. Right? 13 with Dinah, their sister. We only count the dudes. What's the matter with you guys? Amen. You know, what happened? 1, 2, 13. What is happening? In the bloodline, he is being fruitful and multiplying. There is a growth in capacity. Where the Lord says to Abraham, you can only truly look after one boy. The Lord says to Isaac, because you've got your, your, your father's wisdom, you can take care of two sons. And then he says to Jacob, because you have your aperture and your dad's wisdom, now I'll trust with you with 13. What is happening? Because you have the wisdom of these two generations behind you, holding you up, and now you also have your own wisdom. You've got three times as much wisdom I can trust with you with exponential growth. It means that, the, that's why the Lord did not say I'm the God of Abraham. He didn't say I'm the God of Jacob. He says I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's an accumulation of wisdom, an accumulation of experience, each generation adding to the next, until by the time that, you know, 70 of the sons of Jacob went into Egypt and 1.6 million came out. That is growth. Be fruitful and, and multiply. IPA, are we multiplying or are we becoming the same? Are we trying to recycle the same way we've always been? Or are we multiplying? Because multiplying requires change. It requires innovation. It requires doing something new. That's why we need both generations contributing to the other. Two different generations, two different ways of operation. Let me give you an example. The generation that was older than David was the generation of Saul. David was a teenager. He belonged to another generation. So Saul was at battle against a mighty man called Goliath. And the only way Saul and this generation knew how to fight was to draw the sword or to throw the spear. So when they looked at this man, this man was too big. Why? Because they had to be able to throw a spear that can pierce him or they had to be able to fight him with a sword in close contact. Here comes a different generation. He says, I don't have to touch him. Why? My generation has innovated. I don't need my own muscle to bring him down. Why? It's a new generation with an innovative plan. What was the innovative plan? That's, it's still a battle. It's still warfare. But the new generation has found a way to do it quicker and easier. Oh, God help me. Amen. Help me prophesy, Jesus, please. Goliath laughed when he saw David's bicep. He said, do you even lift, bro? <laughs> like, come on, man. You guys are sending me a kid. Look at his muscle. Look at me. I've been a man of war for as long as he's been alive. But David was saying, what you don't understand is this. If you judge me based on my size, you misunderstand my generation. My generation is not going to go toe-to-toe with you, strength-to-strength. We're going to harness the laws of mechanical advantage. I won't even have to touch you. I'll smack you from a distance. And come and clean up what's, next, what's left. That's why David began to prophesy. He's a prophetic generation, right? Goliath. Yeah, I'm about to prophesy. Listen carefully. I'll tell you exactly how it's going to go down. Before the day is over, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And Goliath says, Really? Let's see you do it. The little kid ran from a distance. The last thing that Goliath expected was to go down that easy. 
He had dreams like Lieutenant Dang in Forrest Gump. He had dreams of dying in battle with, you know, everybody. No, pebble. Got hit with a stone right there. Done. What is that? The new generation came with an innovative plan. What used to take sweat for the older generation, they found a way to do it without sweat. But we have always done it this way. And that's your problem. I'm prophesying here. If you can hear me. That's your problem. Because you've always done it that way. The generation of the younger is gifted by God with what vision? Your young men shall see vision. What is that? If they find another way, an easier way to do certain things. Saul said you don't have an armor. David said I don't need it. Why? I'm not going to get close enough for him to hit me. But he has a spear the size of a weaver's beam. Yeah. And he's going to throw it with his own strength. I'll use the forces of nature. Centripetal force. One, two, three. Until that rock is rotating. When he releases it, it goes at a trajectory that is greater than the sum of his own physical strength. Takes him out by innovation. An innovative plan to take a giant from a distance. But don't, you don't have a sword. I don't need a sword. Goliath has a sword. Yeah, I'm going to knock him out and then use his sword to just take him out. Are you listening to me? When the Lord is saying what? Be fruitful, multiply. He's saying what? Grow. Growing in scope has got to do with the Lord gifting you with more genius ways to do what used to take a grind in the old times. What used to take this in the old times, the Lord says there's another way to do it. Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua chapter 1. What was the Lord saying? He was saying the Moses, the mosaic way of doing things is old. But we love the way Moses did things. No, I'm taking you to a new reality. You better grow. Well, in the days of Moses, we didn't have to plant anything. We just prayed. David and Katawe, send the manna. Send the manna. Lord, send the manna. Yeah, no manna. Well, then you're not as anointed as the older generation. No, I'm not as anointed as they are. I'm anointed in a different way. Why? My generation doesn't get free food. My generation is going to learn agriculture. We have to learn how to plant and harvest. We don't sit in a dark room and wait manna to fall from the sky. The first thing that the Lord said to the children of Israel when they matured and grew into becoming out of slavery, out of the wilderness, and into the land of promise, the first thing he did was shut the manna down. The Lord had to tell Joshua, Moses is dead. You know why? So that you don't think that you can glean, you can glean some wisdom from there, but you can't use this system in the new thing. It's not going to work. But look, look, Moses, Moses, Moses lifted up his rod and the waters parted. He says, yeah, my generation doesn't get to do that. Why? My generation requires more participation. How are you going to cut off the rivers from the Jordan? We're going to get the priests to stand in the river. And then the waters will part. It requires more teamwork in my generation. But, uh, but uh, my Alperton used to preach by himself. That was then. Now the Lord is requiring me to be a part of a team that lift up the ark of God's presence and we stand in the water. And even if the waters take a little bit longer to flow, it's okay, we trust God. Why? We have called into a greater measure of maturity. We've been growing. Why? Because Moses was leading people into a wilderness. We are leading people into the land of promise. It's a different assignment. Amen. Are you hearing this African boy? Grow! Grow! Innovation. 
For the initial disciples, like Peter and those guys, they had to go to every location to reach every location until the generation of Paul, who was a young man, he was a little younger than these guys came. He brought in another thing. He decides, I don't have to go everywhere. I can write. What's that? Anywhere. Well, you were not there to preach, my brother. We were used to good preaching. Yeah, I'm good writing. Get somebody else to preach what I write. Well, that's not the way we were doing it. Yeah, I know. That's why your reach was tiny. Now, for you, generation, look at what do you think Paul would have been doing with the availability of social media, with the availability of all these other outlets? You'd have gone punk. You'd have gone crazy reaching the world. Why? He used every innovative tool of his day, the most advanced tools of his day, to do a great and amazing work. But that's not what, uh, the way the older generation did it. Good. Thank God. It's not a disrespect to what they did. It is respecting what they did by doing things better so that their testimony is enlarged in the generation of the next generation. Are you hearing me? I'll take three and a half, four minutes. Huh? Three and a half, four minutes. I promise I'll just sit over here. Three, three and a half, four minutes. Is that good? The Pentecostal Church in America, particularly I'm talking about the Indian Pentecostal Church in America, is at a point of crisis between generations. You may not be aware of it, but I know that those of you that are raising kids here know that. Amen. We don't ever want to lose what is pure and what is godly and what is of God and what is biblical. But there are some things we're going to have to shift to what we increase our reach. And we're going to have to trust that the Lord will use the next generation a little bit differently. Or we won't grow. You see, I came from the old school Pentecostal movement that was from the, what is called the holiness movement. They had some of the best buildings in, my, in, in the city of Harare, in the city of Bulawayo in my country. And that movement began to die. But when they saw their death, they saw their death as a mark of their genuineness. I walked into a church that was just one building with ten people in it. And those ten people thought they were the best and they had the greatest message in that entire city. And I had to tell them, don't you guys notice you're dying? No, my brother, we are strengthening the things that remain. I said, all ten of you? All ten of you? Yes, my brother, we are holding on to the, you know, to, to the unchanging hand. I said, yeah, his hand is unchanging. But try and change your hand a little bit, okay? Why? Because you've got to do something better to reach this generation. If they don't come, you have to go to where they are. Where's your outreach in the schools? Where the kids of old used to make their way for hours walking to church. Yeah, this generation doesn't do that. They're not walking anywhere. Some of them will ride the Segway and the little hover thing to the car. That means what? That means go back into wisdom and say, Father, expand our capacity. How do we reach this generation? We need to innovate. Youngsters, your input in this house and in this church matters. The older generation, I pray that you may have the wisdom to not feel slighted, to not feel disrespected by listening to some of their suggestions. They know best how to reach their own generation. You just make sure that they maintain in the pillars of the purity of the gospel but the methods sometimes change. Well, you know what Moses, Moses didn't have to fight. He would just lift up the stick. The Joshua generation has to fight. 
Joshua is not just, he can't just lift a stick. He has to swing a sword. It doesn't mean he's weaker. It just means a different generation with different requirements. And it means that the assignment of Moses was what? To take people from bondage into a wilderness. The assignment of, jo of, of, of Joshua was what? To take them from a wilderness into the land of promise. It requires an entirely different set of tactics. An entirely different set of competences. Innovate or die. It's your choice. I thank God for what you guys do in the English service. There's some Malayalam churches that I go to. We won't do an English service. And I'm like, that's why you're losing your kids. That's why as soon as they're old enough to leave, they're out of there. And they're filling up your songs and filling up all these other, you know, a Times Square church and all of these young Malayali kids raising Malayali churches, just not here anymore. Well, just because they're disobedient, they're being rebellious. No, sometimes you've got to look in the mirror and say, Lord, is there something that we're not doing that we ought to change and we ought to do so that we maintain the talent that we raise so they can take what we're doing to a whole other level? You don't have to like what I'm saying. It's still true. Just a messenger. I said, love me. Amen. After this, hug me, invite me back. Just a messenger. That's all. I'm on your side on some of these things. I'm like, no, I don't want to change. I'm 45 now. I'm finding myself the older generation, you know. Ah, these youngsters, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're doing, in one week, they're doing what I, which take me a year to do. Back in the old days. Grow. Be fruitful and multiply. It means increase in scope. But Lord, uh, uh, you know, when Moses was there, we, we didn't need air conditioning. You know, there was a cloud, my brother, a cloud during the day and a fire at night. Yeah, that's why God says Moses is dead. He's dead. We want cool air. Figure out air conditioning. Why? Because this is the next level of maturity. Ah, this Joshua kid is not as anointed as Moses. Yeah, because he's anointed in a way that's different. Thank you. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me very distinctly concerning this message for you guys because the, you, you're at the cusp and the Lord told me you've been at this, at this juncture more than once as a church. This church has been at a juncture more than once where there was some need for change to come and it was resisted and you recycled and actually remained the same in a lot of times. If you really look at it, yeah, you recycled and it remained the same. But, but what I've been preaching, I'm not just preaching this here just so you understand this. I've been preaching a general, general racial message in the two groups that are, the two ethnic groups that I speak to, Malayalis and Ethiopians, because your problems are exactly the same. What is the Malayal church? You go to the Ethiopian church, it's exactly the same. The parents are amazing prayer warriors. They love God. They listen. They want to, you know, to do it the old school way. They speak in Amharic and they love their songs in Amharic. They love their preaching in Amharic. Then they raise kids here in the United States. Well, I, just don't, I don't understand Amharic, bro. Like, oh, they're so lazy, they don't know how to preach. I'm like, they're different. But auntie and uncle, if you just give them a chance to tap into the anointing for their generation, they will do more in one week than we did in five years. Because they're coming with a sling where we used to throw a, ball, a, a, a spear. It's a new generation. It's a new way. Are we happy? Are you hoping I change the subject? not gonna. I'm gonna take another three minutes and I'll sit down. Promise. Promise. I was given until 11.55. But I drove for four hours to be here. You can indulge me for five more minutes. 
Be fruitful and multiply. It means you have got to increase in scope. It means sometimes there's a shift in tact. Well, if you see, if, 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 if Abraham did not shift in tactics at all, he would have killed his son. Why? God told him specifically, sacrifice the boy. Then when his hand was up to do it, the Lord says what? Switch. If he's an old school Pentecostal, what would he have done? Well, I heard God. God spoke to me. He said switch. Oh, we don't do switching. We don't know. We don't switch, my brother. We, we strengthen the things that remain. We hold on to the old path. He would have killed his boy. What made Abraham special was that the Lord could cause him to shift direction at any time and do things differently. The boy is not going to die. Okay. Thank you, Katawa. I heard you. wisdom of the old and the passion of the young. That's why the enemy has been working overtime to split the generations. In the book of Hebrews, when it talks about what we call the, the spiritual hall of faith, all those heroes in their faith, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the last few verses of that chapter says none of them received the promise because God had decided that their testimony would only be made complete in the next generation. The older generation, your testimony will remain complete because it's only completed with the generation that follows. So you may have a vision of building the house, but it's sometimes the Solomons that will do the building. There's a pathway of handing the baton and the pathway of innovation. The Lord says switch, the Lord says change. Are you hearing me? I remember when the church used to fight about musical instruments because drums they used to be of the devil you got drums in there that's of the devil that's of the devil guitar oh there's guitars that played those in clubs that's of the devil no we just clap our hands my brother we clap our hands there's some people that die Cursing the next generation for playing guitars and playing the drums. Now, we complain when the drummer doesn't show up to church. Where did he go? You know, you know, we need him, you know, for worship. Things change. Our heart and our, the quality of our worship remains the same. But the, but the avenue by which we communicate that, that worship may change with each generation. Give this generation a chance to be who they're supposed to be. Don't hold them back. When they point out some things that might need change, things in aesthetics, might need to change aesthetics. Some aesthetics work for a certain time. It may not work for today. What has that got to do with anything? Well, at one time it was an in thing. Those that, do, that first did it, they did it because it was in at that time. I'll talk to you, man. Let's talk. <laughs> we're going to go online. We're going to be feeding other people. We don't do that. Why should we do that? We never used to do it. We do it now. Because we found out we can be in this place and reach the utmost parts of the world. We innovate and we grow. Are you with me? Let's all stand, please.
He says the child grew in wisdom and stature. That word stature, it means the quality or status gained by growth, development, and achievement. That's what the word stature that was used in the Bible means. It's a quality attained by growth in, in development and achievement. So the pathway was that the child grew in wisdom, and as a result of it, they attained greater stature. And from that stature, they gained favor with God and with people. As an individual, that's your calling. As a congregation, that's our calling. To expand our capacity. We have got to reach the capacity that can enable us to throw a net into this entire community and to pull in the fish that has been waiting for a church that will reach them so that when we stand before our Lord, we can present him the souls gained over the years. I'm going to pray right now and I'm asking that the Lord will show you what it is that you can do, the changes you can institute, whatever it is that God would have you do as a church so you can maximize your calling in this community you can maximize the reason why the Lord set this house up in the first place. And for you, my brother, I think God has put you as a perfect branch between two generations. You're a bridge that stands between two generations. And your, your calling is very unique in that sense. So you draw the wisdom of the old, but keep the passion of the young strength because you are a part of both of them. The kids look at you like you're one of the old, the old adults look at you like you're one of the old. It's a perfect bridge between two generations. Let the wisdom of the old be fused with the passion of the young. And let the Lord cause an innovation in this church. Even if there's no model for what you shall become, let the Lord give you guys the wisdom to do it. We have a unique calling for a very unique demographic in the world. May the Lord enable you to touch that and do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this amazing congregation. I thank you for their calling. I thank you for sustaining them over the years. I thank you for calling them to a greater purpose. Thank you, Father, that you will not let that go until they fulfill the reason why they are planted. And Father, I stand in agreement with them. I stand in agreement with what God is doing. That you as a church, IPA, whether it shall go under that moniker and that brand forever, only God knows. I just pray for you, IPA, that the Lord will enable you to be that church that is a reservoir, that is a watering pot for this entire community. Yes, you're the number three.